Welcome to all of you, and welcome to all who are listening on Torani Time and other platforms. Please share this year with at least three, two friends, and please press the follow button to receive ongoing Shear updates. Parshas Vayaka. There's a place both for romantics and for practical engineers. Let me explain what I mean by that. I divide mankind into two categories in a binary way. You have romantics, people who think on a level of ideas, passion, concept. And then you have practical engineers, people who are into all the practicalities in life and the logistics in life and the nitty gritty. Now, we certainly need both. If we didn't have romantics, there wouldn't be passion, there wouldn't be purpose. We'd live a very dull existence. But at the same time, we also need practical engineers. All nice ideas without practicality cannot be actualized. All ideas become quixotic musings that don't amount to anything without practical implementation. But as much as we need both romantics and practical engineers, these two breeds of mankind oftentimes struggle with each other. In the worst cases, even grit at each other's nerves because they are so different. The practical engineers look at the romantics, as I said, as these in-the-cloud, quixotic, not-for-real people. And the romantics look at the practical engineers as these boring, lifeless dispassionate creatures. Right, so we, we want to come to an ever deeper understanding for the need for both, for the marriage between romantics and practical engineers. This is true in marriage, by the way. Oftentimes you have one spouse who is more romantic, more passionate, and the other who is much more focused on the practicality. It's true in marriage. I remember once seeing a spoof of the morning after, and it had one of the spouses, you know, living out all the fantasies of how they envisioned married life, and it had the other planning how they were going to write thank you letters for the gifts and cross out all the thank you letters, right? And the, 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 the romantic spouse is looking at the one crossing off the thank you letters. Yeah, that's what marriage is about, right? So this can be a conflict in marriage. This could be a conflict in running a company. So let's come to a deeper understanding for a healthy marriage between both the romantics and the practical engineers. Let's develop this from our parsha. We find a very interesting statement of Chazal in regard to the Mishkan in this week's parsha. Chazal tells us that Moshe originally told Betzalel, the main craftsman of the Mishkan, you are first supposed to craft the kalim, the vessels, the aron, the shulchan, the menorah, and then the actual structure of the Mishkan. And Betzal said, hold on, that doesn't make any sense. First the vessels and then the building. Yay. If you have vessels, if you have furniture with no house to place them in, where are you going to put that furniture? It'll be out in the outdoors. Of course, you first need a building and only then put the furniture inside. Must be you're supposed to build the building, the Mishkan, and only then the Caleb. And Moshe said, oh, you're right. That is, in fact, what Hashem said. You are onto something. You are in touch with a higher divine truth. As your name, Betzalel, indicates, Betzalel is, is a nutrikon, is a contraction of two phrases, Betzel Kel, you are in the shade of Hashem, you are in the shade, you are in the same 
dwelling place of Hashem. You are primitive divine secrets. You know how to make this mission. Now, on the face of it, Moshe seems very hard to deal with. What was Moshe thinking? Betzal's argument seems so simplistic. How can you craft vessels without a house to put them in? What was Moshe ever thinking? Moshe does not make stupid mistakes, of course, like that. But even more mystifying is the realization of just how grounded Moshe's position actually was. Because while it is true that in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Fayakal, the actual crafting of the Kalim seems clearly follows Betzal's suggestion, right? First, Betzal, the Parsha's Fayakal speaks clearly of first him crafting the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and only then, then the vessels. If you scroll back a few parshios to Parshas Truma, when Hashem gives the commandment, when the Torah records not the Jewish people actually building it as in our parsha, but Hashem's projection of how it's supposed to be. In Parshas Truma, you find the exact opposite. You find first it says, make the Aaron, Shulchan, Menorah, make the vessels, and then it says, make the Mishkan, make the tabernacle. And likewise, it says, first make the Mizbeach, and then make the curtains of the huts or the curtains of the court and of the courtyard around it. It is actually clear that this dialogue, or what, what might have been an initial debate between Moshe and Metzala, what should we do first, vessels or building, actually is a dichotomy or a bifurcation in the text itself. In the divine imperative of Parshish Truma, of Parshish Truma, we are told first vessels and then house, while in the implementation of Parshish Vayakel, it is building and then vessels. How do we deal with that dichotomy. So I would suggest the key here is to understand that Betzalel's argument in the Gemara, when he says, hey, where am I going to put these vessels? There's no way I can make vessels prior to the building of the building. That argument cannot be read on a pshat simplistic level. Because truth be told, None of the Mishkan was assembled at all for several months. Neither the vessels nor the building was brought to life after their construction on the 25th of Kislev. It was only months later, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, when they pulled out of the storage room both the parts of the Mishkan tabernacle and the Kalim and constructed them. So actually, it really didn't matter on a practical level, which one was made first, the vessels or the building? Because both were not in use, were placed into storage for the next several months, and by the time Rosh Chodesh Nisan came along, the time of Hakamas HaMishkan came along, either one was available, both were available, the Kalim and the building, so it didn't really matter what was constructed first. So we have to re-examine Betzal's argument. Betzal's argument is not to be read literally, there's going to be a problem here. The vessels are going to be left out in the dark without a building to be placed in them. Because by the time the vessels are to be used, the Mishkan will exist regardless of it, which one was built first. I think there is a symbolism to Betzalel's words. Because let's think about conceptually the issue of vessels versus building. Which one should have supremacy? And this has a lot to do with the entire issue of and divide between the romantic and the practical engineer. Let me explain what I mean. Let's think about family life. Is family life about a house or a home? 
Is it about a physical building and the keeping of a monthly budget? Is that what it's about? Or it's about the love, the experiences, that which happened inside of it. Right? That will be a divide between the practical engineer type and the romantic type. So the same is true of the Mishkan. Right? Do you think primarily of the Kalem, the place where Hashem and the Jewish people commune, connect, have intimate vacas? Do you think of the Aaron, the place where Hashem communicated with Moshe and the Jewish people? Do you think of the Menorah and the Shochan, where we actually do Avodah to Hashem? That is the romantic perspective. The more practical engineer perspective vis-a-vis the Mishkan is space. Where is the space? Where is the place? How do you configure this thing? You need a building to place it in. Right? Ah, and with this in mind, we begin to understand the basis of these two perspectives in Chumash itself. Which one should be constructed first, Kalem or Mishkan? It is really a conceptual question. In the world of Torah, in the world of spirituality, are we romantics or are we practical engineers? Should Dvekas, the big picture perspective, be paramount, or should logistics be paramount? The divine imperative of Parshas Truma is certainly portraying things in the ideal. In the ideal, certainly, it is romantic. The Mishkan's a romantic place. The Mishkan is a place which is not about the logistics of space and building, and you need a space planner to plan it out, right? It's about a place of connection, dveikas, intimacy, vashem, kalims. Certainly, it is the kalim which are built. First, it's the Kalim which is first enthralling Hashem. It's the Kalim that are first in the divine eye of the construction of the Mishkan. And then, yeah, of course, you need a building to house it. And therefore, Moshe Ishalukim, Moshe, who's a man of the divine, he conveys to Betzalel what is in line with the divine perspective, right? In terms of just his mind's eye and how he envisions things, yeah, of course, Kalim first. Let's think about the way we're going to connect Hashem through the Avodah of the Aron, of the Shochan. And then, of course, yeah, yeah, and you make it work. You have the building. Betzalel, on the other hand, is a man of the practical. Betzalel is more the practical engineer. He says, we need a validation within Judaism that logistics for mitzvah is mitzvah too. Logistics to enable spirituality or spirituality too. This whole fixation on Caleb and only then Mishkan, is in Betzal, the, pra- the practical engineer, the holy practical engineer's mind, creating an unwanted lack of appreciation for the need of halachic management, logistical management in Judaism to make Judaism a viable structure rather than simply a spiritual idea, right? a spiritual dream. So Betzal says, hold on. You know, when we have these kalim, where are we going to put them into, right? You need a house to put the vessels in. So in our mind's eye, we first need the Mishkan. We first need the house, i.e. we first need the validation for the logistics in Judaism. Because if you don't have this in our mind, in our neshama, if you don't have this appreciation for the significance of logistics, of all the practicalities having the appropriate funding to make things work. Everything taken, everything which needs to be taken into consideration, you're not going to have a very valuable kalim, you're not going to have a viable tveikas bashem. So his argument, where am I going to put these kalim into if we don't have a mishkan first, is more in terms of the symbolism of which what should be created first, what should have supremacy in Judaism, building 
versus vessels. So therefore, this debate and these two perspectives, and the fact that Parshas Truma, the divine perspective and the perspective of Moshe is Caleb first, while the actual building in Parshas Vayakal and the Betzalel, pragmatist perspective of you need the building first is really a validation of both of these truths and both have a Torah basis you have Parshas Truma and Moshe on one hand you have Ayakob Betzal on the other hand you need the romantic to make meaning paramount and you need the practical engineer to make logistics paramount and both are validated and if you are a romantic your approach to Judaism is validated be enthralled by Tvekas and leave devil in the details to someone else or to not the lower part of your list, but if you're a more practical halachat manager, Pisic type, you might say, concerned with the minutia, then your approach to spirituality is for logistics to be paramount. That I suggest is the symbolism behind this chazal. And I'll bring you in an added support for this perspective, for this perspective of these, the two sequences for the building of Mishkan. The divine of Parshas Truma Tetzav at the beginning of Kisisa, really, that is the divine portrait, right, where it speaks about Caleb and then Mishkan, versus the human implementation thereof in Parshas Vayakal and Pekude, where building comes before vessels, is really a question of logistics versus purpose, meaning. And there's really a validation here of that certainly in the mind's eye, the divine perspective, which is the mind's eye, the conceptualization of the ideal, right? It's, the eye is going to be on what's going to take place, what's going to be the spirit in the edifice. While in the practical world, you'll have to deal with logistics first. The resonance of this is because this is how life is lived, right? In life, an idea begins with the dream. You don't think about getting married in terms of how are we going to make the monthly budget. You think I love the person. We're going to have a great life together. We're going to enrich each other's life. And then how are we going to make it work? Right? But actually, when you make it happen, you first have the logistics in place. You can't have love and connection and building until you, you deal with issues like where are we going to live? Are there toiletries in the bathroom? You'll excuse me and so on. Right? So it actually makes all the sense in the world that in the divine vision, the vision of Mishkan, in Truma Tetzav at the beginning of Kisisa, it's first Kalem, the place of Tavekas, and the space, the logistics to hold it, while in the implementation thereof, it is the other way. It is first the logistics, first the by the Binyan, and then the Kalem. This is in line with the principle of which we allude to in the Lichatodi, Sof Masa Pemachshava The final act is what is in the first thought. What that means is like this. While in the Misa and the act, it is purpose, it is meaning, it is the goal of the project which comes at the end. The goal was actually paramount in the mind all along. What motivated the project was the end result. Kalem and the great Tvekas of the Mishkan, that is the great motivator all along, right? To get there, you need the logistics first. And that is why in the vision, it is first the Kalem, in the implementation, it is first the Binyan. And I'll bring you an added support for this. Because in this past week's Parsha, Parsha's Kisisa, in the beginning of Kisisa, as the divine narrative of how Hashem is projecting Mishkan comes to a close, Hashem spoke about constructing the edifice, the, the Kalim, the edifice, the big day kahuna. He then speaks about some final, we would say, auxiliary details, but very necessary details, such as Machsa Shekel, funding this endeavor, 
right? And he also speaks about plumbing, holy plumbing, a key our economy makes sense. And he finally speaks about Shabbos. Make sure not to build this Mishkan on Shabbos. Shabbos is appropriately at the end of the divine imperative, because Shabbos is simply a timing issue, a scheduling issue. This entire Mishkan plan, don't build it on Shabbos, right? Keep to the schedule. Right? You give the contractor at the end of the schedule, right? Don't construct on Shabbos. Many of us have told non-Jewish contractors, please do not construct on Shabbos. That's, that's a final clause, a final detail. That makes sense. But you find a remarkable inverse. In Parshas Fayakal, when Betzal actually constructs the Mishkan, it first mentions Shabbos. The first words of Moshe's commandments to Betzal and the Jewish people regarding Mishkan is, keep Shabbos, don't build the Mishkan on Shabbos. And then he speaks about the actual Mishkan. That is totally inverse from the divine imperative in which first came Kalim Mishkan and only then Shabbos. But the answer is in line with our perspective of what these two imperatives, the, the divine and the human, the romantic and the practical engineer are all about, right? It is always going to be the devil in the details which comes last in the vision, in the divine perspective, right? And it's got, But it's going to be the devil in the detail issues which come first in the actual implementation, right? So, of course, the, the issue of the scheduling, don't do it on Shabbos, comes last in the divine imperative of Mishkan, but it comes first in Vayaka. Before you begin this project, scheduling needs to be framed in a clear way. So here we have a validation of both. In life, the romantic and the practical engineer both have a place in Judaism. The person who's very concerned with the scruples of halacha, they are the practical engineer, and the person who's concerned with kavana and with spiritual connection. We need both, and different people will have different primacies in their shmir of mitzvahs. Both are validated in Torah, and we need to have respect for our spouse in marriage who's wired up the other way, perhaps, for our friends in the community who are other, wired up the other way. We need the Moshe's. We need the Betzalans. And just to develop this a step or two further, Moshe is, of course, Ishal Kim, the man of God. So he sees things from the divine perspective, in which first comes meaning and then logistics. First comes the Kalim, the place of Tavakas, and then the house, and then the scheduling issues like Shabbos, right? But Saul is the other way. He is not Ishalukim. He's not the man of God. What he's called, as his name implies, and, and as the Gemara we mentioned before, Tarshan says, not Ishalukim. You're not the man of God. You're Betzalkel. You're in the shadow. Of, you're, you're in the shade of Hashem. What that the shade on a Pasha level means the house. The house, the shade. The roof of the house provides shade. You are not like this with the divine the way Moshe is. But you're in the house of the divine. The house means the space. You deal with the space of the divine. You deal with the enabling of the divine. Having a physical house. As we see, Betzal is obsessed with the idea of make sure you have a house, make sure you have place, make sure you have space, make sure you have the enablers. You are in the realm of the enabling of the divine. The space, the cell, the shade of Kel, while Moshe is the man of Kel himself, two indispensable roles, and we'll take it one or two steps further when we study a teaching of the Gon, the Vilna Gon, who interprets that the fact that Betzalel had the inverse perspective of motion, we're arguing even Parshas Truman Hashem's perspective, Vilna Gon traces within the words Betzalel, Betzalel, the, the shade or shadow of Hashem. Because says the Vilna Gon, Cell, which literally means a shadow, is in Betzal's name. 
Look at your shadow. A shadow is always inversed from that which is casting the shadow, right? Your shadow and your walking, right? It's your right side which appears on the left side of the shadow and vice versa, right? Says the Vilnagon, the fact that Betzal had the inverse picture has something to do with that his name is Betzalkel, the shadow of Hashem. He's taking our idea of shade one step further and translating Tzal perhaps even more literally as shadow. And says the Vilnagon, there's a person and there's a shadow, which are inverse. There are two realms which are inverse, which I'm going to interpret to mean the romantic and the practical engineer. Notes I'll explain as follows. When a person's walking and they have a shadow, the person is the essence of the image. The shadow represents the space that they take up and really all the space which must accommodate the what their silhouette is casting. Right? So the shadow, meaning the space, the enabling of the actual figure, right? that is the realm of, as I said, enabling, space, house. That is not the essence of the image. That is the enabling thereof. And what Hashem's hardwiring in the Bria, in the fact that shadows, i.e. the space, the supportive space of a silhouette, is always inverse from the figure itself, Hashem is validating that there are always going to be certain differences, certain inverse perspective between the essence of the matter, the meaning of a matter as appreciated by the romantic, and the space and the logistics and the practical engineer as represented by the shadow. It's inversed for a reason, as we're saying, vis-a-vis Moshe and vis-a-vis B'tzalem. If you read my book on Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Cult of Breathtaking Panorama, you will appreciate one more step, and that is Chazal tells us that Betzalel was a great-grandson of Miriam. Betzalel ben Uri ben Hur. Betzalel is the son of Uri, who's the son of Hur, and Hur was the son of Miriam. Miriam, Moshe's sister, we develop in the book based on Madrasic sources, was a very practical person. Moshe's Eshelokim, a man of God, right? He's otherworldly, and we develop from many Madrasic sources that Miriam is much more practical than her brother. I and Shum, you will have a further appreciation from this perspective that Miriam's grandson, Betzalel, is the shadow of God rather than God himself, as, Mo- as Moshe is in tune with. Is the practical engineer rather than the romantic the godliness itself, the Moshe, you'll have an added, persp- an added appreciation when you weave that strand into the greater tapestry. For this evening's purpose, I hope the breadth of the tapestry, the interwovenness of the tapestry has emerged in all of its details. This dichotomy between Moshe Betzal and really this dichotomy between the Parshas Truma, Tetzavakisisa narrative of the divine on one hand, and the practical implementation of the Mishkan, the Parshas Vayakob on the other hand, is really a delicious validation of the need for two people and two personality types the romantic and the practical engineer. And there's so many manifestations of this, as we said, in marriage and running of a company. Um, yeah, this even in the realm of physical affection. Right? The famous book was written called The Five Languages of Love, which deals with couples' misunderstandings in the realm of affection itself. That the romantic will want more physical affection, more direct connection, while the practical engineer will be like, I am, I am showing my love by doing things for you, by making sure supper's ready, by making sure the toiletries are available, 
know, so what's this crazy physical affection thing you need? I'm obviously exaggerating, you know, and the, the affectionate type will be, you think I care about toiletries and supper on time? I want love. I want closeness, right? That's just one very personal but relatable example of where there could be misunderstandings between these two types. This is true in marriage, this is true in running a company, and this is true in Torah and mitzvahs as well. You have the person who is very scrupulous in the observance of halacha and the practicalities to make Judaism relevant, and you have the person who is focused on kavan, on meaning, on purpose, on connection. The answer is we need both, and different personalities will be more romantic or more practical engineer-like. We need both, and they're complementary, as Moshe and Betzal are complementary. And those of us who are humble and growing people, while we pursue our own vision of life and our own vision of Yiddishkeit, we have an ever greater respect for those who are wired differently than us and recognize how they complement our life. Even if we are a romantic and they are a practical engineer or vice versa, we come to see the need for everyone in the end we all have an indispensable contribution to make in Hashem's project called Yiddishkeit. Thank you very much. Please press the follow button to receive ongoing Shear updates, and please share this share with at least two friends. Thank you.